What If the Len Bias Story, hosted by Jordan Ritter Khan, is The Ringer's latest narrative podcast. You can find new episodes every Wednesday on the Book of Basketball 2.0 feed. Here's a quick trailer. You've heard his name, Len Bias, 1980s phenom, second pick in the NBA draft. And then cocaine, tragedy, one of the most shocking deaths in sports history. 35 years later, Bias's legacy is still making an impact. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, this is What If, the Lynn Bias story. I'm Jordan Ritter Khan. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car, or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it, I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm, is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by Honey Stinger. This is a show about sports and culture opinions, but right now I want to talk sports facts, the data, the stats. Honey Stinger, sports nutrition, trusted by more than 1,500 pro and college teams. That's right, 1,500. That's all 32 pro football teams. That's 39 pro basketball teams, 29 pro baseball teams, and more that prepare, perform, and recover with the delicious taste of Honey Stinger's energy waffles, chews, gels, and bars. Honey Stinger is the one team's trust. Use code Simmons for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. That is S-I-M-M-O-N-S for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, as well as the ringer.com. On the Ringer Podcast Network, we've been putting up new episodes of What If, the Len Bias Story and the Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast. Also, check out Flying Coach with Peter Schrager and Sean McVeigh. They had uh, Arthur, Arthur Smith. Yeah, that's his name, the Falcons coach. Arthur Smith? Arthur Smith. Yeah, Arthur. The guy who used to be the Tennessee uh, offensive coordinator. He was on the show. They've, they're have they slowly running through the whole coaching slate in the uh, NFL. Check out Locker Room as well, which is now called Green Room. Spotify relaunched it on Wednesday. We did a ton of stuff there. We did, uh, we had a lot of breaking news on in the NBA on Wednesday, which we're about to talk about in a second, which uh, KOC and some others were on there. I went on there today with KOC and Sharks and Rosillo, uh, but you got to sign up. Download the app, head in there. Um, you can listen to rooms. You can try to speak, all that stuff. Green Room's cool. I like Green Room. It's, it's very complimentary to the whole podcast thing. Coming up, Big Waz, Marcus Thompson. We're going to talk all things NBA first Pearl Jam. All right, we're taping this a little bit after 8.15 Pacific time. Just watched Milwaukee save their season. Big Waz is here. Waz and Lambry from The Ringer. Marcus Thompson 
from the athletic and uh and we've been making fun of Waz all day about uh falling on the on the Giannis sword <laughs> after Giannis played a good game. You were not a Giannis believer. Giannis showed up. More importantly, Chris Middleton showed up. On the other hand, I can't say that was like a must-win game for Brooklyn. They got their game five. They know they have game seven home. I'm sure Kyrie's gonna be involved. And it was kind of one of those you put your toe in it, you dip it, you shoot some threes. You feel it out. You, you see make what it your do, run. right? Yeah, yeah you're kind of like, ah, could we steal this? And then the way Middleton was playing, you weren't going to steal it. Anyway, has your opinion changed of Giannis, Was? I don't have a bad opinion of Giannis. The thing is, they got stops. And so oh, you get come out on. You were got- ready to cut his head <laughs> off. Come on. That's not, that's not the case. They got stops. Giannis could operate in transition, which is where he's best at. That's peak Giannis when he's in transition. And more importantly, when they had the plan to have court, Chris Middleton was ridiculous. You know, he dropped 38 points on something like 16 shooting attempts. So, you know, when when Chris Middleton is playing like that, yeah, Milwaukee looks like a really incredible team. You know why Chris Middleton could play like that? You know why? Giannis took zero threes. This Giannis is not he ain't a punk man he ain't going out like that he saw y'all talking about him crazy he was like all right I got you let's go 20 shots under control 17 rebound like Giannis is like yo y'all not about to play me out here like I'm pandemic P or something oh that's why you can't even say that anymore you, you, better, well, you better recognize Giannis a G man come on two things so Giannis doesn't shoot any threes and coach Bud basically goes drops down to six and a half guys in this game Yep. He plays for his bench guys. Connaughton played 22. Forbes played 11. Nobody else played, really. And they got nothing from their bench. They got four points total. But I think the Bucks kind of finally realized who they were. They are like, we have six guys. Giannis shouldn't shoot threes. And if Chris Middleton why, isn't why good, Bobby we're not going to beat anybody. Why is Bobby Portis out? I don't understand I, that. That's it. I, Bobby, they put him on ice. I They must have seen something. And like, I just think they just wanted to... Wanted to, if they were going down, they were going down with their best five, basically. That was my takeaway. Um, yeah. They, what's, what was, like, Bud was still Bud, right? He was still in the way, right? <laughs> he, he, he was still hating. Uh, and I, 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 I think you're right. I mean, Bill, you could tell how they were playing. The Brooklyn was like, if we get it, we get it. But if not, like, we had it, we had it back. So they kind of got i don't want to say lucky there was a moment where this was about to get tight it was teetering. and then we would have really seen but like you said chris middleton saved them he didn't save them in a traditional way he saved them from needing to be saved right. which well, is how they needed to go out that's actually how philly needs to get it right like they don't need a close <laughs> game like, the- <laughs> well when did you text us it was right at the end of the third quarter where it yeah. seemed like the throats were tightening. Mm-hmm. The crowd was getting deer in the headlightsy, and then Middleton made three plays in a row, and kind of staved it off a little bit. And after that, they felt safe. But he he was the key tonight. And if you're looking at like we were going to do trade roulette heading into this offseason with all these disappointing teams, right? It was going to be Middleton, Tobias Harris, CJ McCollum, Ben Simmons, all the people who let down a franchise. And Middleton <laughs> might have been thrown in there, so at least he he staved that off. What else did you see from the game, was? 
Well, Harden can't move, right? And so Doris pointed it out on the broadcast. It was a 26 to 4 advantage in transition. So like Brooklyn is playing the entire game in half court where their best second best guy can't dribble by anybody. He's extremely limited. All he could do is go to the step back and pray that they call the three on the nonsense shots when he falls down all the time. So in half court, it's like KD or you're dead. They have nothing in half court, and Harden can't run, so they can't do anything in transition, right? And so that's what I saw on the Brooklyn side. But I Wait, hold, can you hold that thought? Because I have a yeah. follow-up thought that's important. So and maybe this is a total coincidence. I'm not sure it is, though. Milwaukee only had four offensive rebounds in Game 5. Today they had 15, and I think it was because they saw what you just said. Brooklyn wasn't going to run because Harden mm -hmm. can't run. Milwaukee does that thing where they... Instead of going for offensive rebounds, they just try to get back on defense so they don't give up fast break stuff. But if Brooklyn's not going to run, well, why would we? Why would we send everybody back? So they started crashing the boards, and they actually created some extra possessions and stuff from that. So I'm with you. I thought the, I think it seemed like Milwaukee finally figured out that Brooklyn wasn't going to run, took advantage of it. Yeah, who's who's supposed to run on this team, right? Um, it's got to be James Harden, and I guess to a lesser extent KD. But look. If you're a team who has struggled the entire postseason, save for the Miami series um, on in half court, you know you got to get the extra possessions, right? So you have to crash the board. Those are the best looks you're going to get off of those putbacks and, you know, running in transition. So they did what they had to do to get the best looks possible. And, you know... I I'm somebody who still thinks what they do in the half court is very shaky. Drew Holiday remains a minus as a half court offensive player. Mm. Uh, but, you know, they got just enough today and then it didn't have to get tight. And you and Marcus are right about that. Brooklyn felt like they were like, look, let's just stay in the game, stay in the game, stay in the game. And hopefully we're close when it gets when it gets down to the nitty gritty within the last five minutes. And we would force Milwaukee to get into half court execution with their season on the line, and I would have bet that they wouldn't have got it done. But thankfully for Milwaukee and their fans, it never came to that. Well, and they also knew they weren't getting calls tonight. That wasn't <laughs> happening either. The uh, I, I'm not saying it was called in by the league because Milwaukee, Milwaukee was going to the basket, but it was 28 free throws for Milwaukee, 14 for the Nets. Giannis <laughs> threw it to himself at one point. And then elbow Jeff Green in the face, and they were like, ah, <laughs> foul Jeff Green. I thought it was pretty shaky today. And what universe does KD have two free throws? <laughs> yeah. Being guarded by P.J. Tucker. Like, right. Nah, that, How many yeah. fouls did P.J. Tucker? He had four fouls. Uh, yeah, Durant was 15 for 30 for 32 points, which is that's honestly about, not, that's that's, not the kind of line he wants. He wants to be yeah. like 11 for 20 and go to the Absolutely. line 15 times. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Harden was five for nine. He took six threes, 16 points. Um, I still, th I don't think he can move. He can't. And first of all, the fact that he's getting up only nine shot attempts in a game where Kyrie's not playing, yeah. that's kind of all you need to know about his the limited nature of what he could do right now. You know what I'm saying? And KD, look, he dropped 50 the last game, had the best game of his life. Um, you know, 15 for 30, is that's pretty good considering the, the circumstances of who's around him and how much of the burden is going to be hey, on you him. You said 15 for 30 is all right. You know, that's, that's pretty good. good. No, it's that's good. good. Yeah. That's good. I, I'm not trying to say anything, Mark. But no, but look. Last time I was on here with Bill, I said, 
I'm happy KD's finally, for the first time in five years, going to actually have to exert himself. And that's going to happen in Game 7. It's gonna, they're going to win because KD was incredible and nothing else. Well, are we sure they're going to win Game 7, Marcus? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know what? Yes, because I think it's going to come down to late-game execution. They're not blowing them out. And I don't know how you trust Milwaukee. Like, even yeah. we're looking at Drew, I don't even know who Drew Holiday is. And I think some of that is the offense. All they do is basically take turns going one-on-one. They should have double the assists Brooklyn has. Brooklyn Brooklyn is full of Gs. This is what they do is iso ball. That's not Milwaukee. That's why, look, this Middleton performance is sneaky to me because he's one of them dudes who will get some buckets one game and like, yo, I got this. Like, yo, give me give me the number one spot. And next game, it probably won't work out that well. So that, that makes me nervous. So, I don't know what Drew Holiday's doing. I don't know why he's one for 10 from three and seven for 11 from two. And like and, none of those were step backs, by <laughs> I the way. Don't, I, don't, I don't understand what that is, but I do think part of it is they don't have any movement. They aren't passing the ball. And it's like, all right, it's your turn. Go, right? And all right, now it's your turn. Go. I don't even know, like you're talking about running on offense. They walk the ball up a lot. It's like a lot of whoever gets the rebound, I'm walking, I'm surveying. It's like, dude, you guys are not Kevin Durant. Like, yeah. pass the ball up the court. It's I don't trust this team in a close game where the other guy is Kevin Durant. Mm. I, I, well, don't know if I, I don't know if I can trust him in that situation. Well, think about this. They scored 104 points today. 89 of them came from three guys. Sheesh. Oh, so, man. <laughs> look, you know, they, like Lopez might get the, maybe game seven, he's better. But ultimately, their ceiling for how many points they're just going to score with the team we're watching is somewhere in the low hundreds. They got to 104 because Middleton was awesome today. I think that's, you think they'll probably end up like in the 90s. They don't have that one heat check guy. They don't even have like, not just like the Lou Williams type. They don't have that anybody type who can just come in and score there eight points no in two minutes. No. And if oh, you're Brooklyn, ain't buying Forbes, y'all ain't buying Forbes as the... Oh, God. Come I, on. He had the on one it. game. Wait <laughs> on it. <laughs> but if I'm Brooklyn, I'm, I just feel like I have to get to 100 points in game seven and I'm going to the next round. And if you get to 115, that, that's ball game. Of course. Right. And they, you know what's crazy is like, uh, uh, Joe Harris is, is like, so overdue. I, I don't. I don't know if he can pull this out. I don't know what's going on with him, but he's like four for his last twenty-four from three. Like he's shooting worse than Giannis from three. You know, I, he's gonna hit five threes in Game Seven in Brooklyn, right? You, this feels like something's coming. If that happens, like how does how, how does Milwaukee answer that when they're getting nothing from Joe Harris? And Joe was getting nothing. He made one today and like was like yelling. He did was doing the thing where he's just yelling at like the scores table, and then Mark Jones like and Joe Harris is telling them. Then they show the replay. And I looked up the stats. It was his only three of the game. I think. Yeah, yeah, he's one for four from three. And it was like, what are you yelling at, Joe Harris? You're you haven't made a shot. You're like zombie Joe Harris. He That's should be yelling weird. at his arm, his right hand. Right. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Well, so you have that on that side, and then PJ Tucker. I just want to point out scored three points in the last two games total. In yeah, like 65 minutes. 
but you know, I, if PJ Tucker, if they're gonna keep generating PJ Tucker open corner threes, I'm fine with that. I have confidence that a few of those might fall. But I think what you're seeing with Joe Harris is directly tied to James Harden being limited, right? When he's not able to blow by his guy and attract help in the paint and then spray it out, right? And then you know, Brooklyn puts the defense in scramble mode and rotation, and it magically ends up in Joe Harris's hands. That's a direct result of Harden being hobbled. Like, who's gonna generate? those looks for Brooklyn when Harden is not doing it. And of course, Kyrie is out, right? So the looks that Joe Harris is getting, he's trying to do it himself. He's trying to shoot off the dribble, off a screen and roll, which is, you know, that one three was uh, off the dribble, off of the pick and roll, rise and fired, right? So Joe Harris is that the fact that he only got off four threes shows you he's the weather vane for their offense. When Joe Harris is, is getting these spot-up looks or curling off a screen looks, that shows you Brooklyn's offense is working the way it's supposed to work. But with Harden looking the way he's looking, it's tough. But at the same time, you know, I think Milwaukee... You have to be satisfied with the way you play defense tonight. And again, not like your assignment was the craziest. You have one guy and a bunch of other dudes, but you did it. You executed it. And it's going to, you know, not to belabor this point. People are going to say we're belaboring this point, but like they have to deliver in the half court in tight spots. And yeah. oh, Lord, <laughs> if I'm a Milwaukee fan, that makes me just very scared. It's so ugly. Marcus, can we talk about James Harden as the old guy in the pickup game, even though he's not old? Where oh, that's totally he's doing, him, right? He's doing all the old guy tricks that you do where it's like, I'm I just don't want to get hurt basically as I'm he playing. Did like so five you're jogging Smitties up today. Yeah, you're going like three point line to three point <laughs> but line. But they ain't even Smitties. He ain't hurting all the way. Like, it's like a hezzy. How about the reach-ins? He had two reach-in steals, two old guy reach-in steals. I've actually admire him more after watching him basically play on one leg because this shouldn't be working. And I still don't understand why the Bucks haven't just tried to swallow him up. But the problem is they tried to post him. That's why he was like, yo, I don't need help. Like, if I could just stand here. I'm mm. good. If I don't have to move, I I'm yep. good. He need to take his shirt off, throw on some jeans and some Timberlands, like, and, <laughs> tight, and tighten his belt. You know what I'm saying? Like, find some old, like, Jerbol jeans. That, we used to wear Jerbol jeans back in the day. Like, that's, that's, I got some Jerbol jeans. That's, that's the old guy at the park outfit, uh, Simmons. And, and sometimes it might not even be Timberlands. It might be some black-on-black -black Air Force Ones. No, nah, that's a serial a killer, brother. Put... Come on. <laughs> nah. Nah. It's, it's work shoes. There's got to be some form of work shoes. Like, but you know what? That people do underestimate Harden's like basketball intelligence, right? right. Like mm. we're we're watching one of the all-time like skilled smart players figure it out live, you know, even while he's kind of even while he's super uh like limited. And you know, but that dude is like what's he weighing right now? Like he's definitely the like heaviest he was, he's been there's yeah, no, no question. he looked I, he i've yeah. never seen him like this i mean yeah he's man. a couple shake shack burgers from oliver miller if we're being <laughs> honest with ourselves it's and a jimbo slice it's um, you know yeah I, th I think taking his footwork away which is the thing that made him great right i mean oh, you can throw right, the southpaw right. stuff the hand-eye coordination all the great things he brings to the table but ultimately his footwork was top five in the history of the league. Hey, his step and back now he doesn't turn, have it. His step back to turn into the electric slide. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and here's the thing about an ACL, I mean, excuse me, a hamstring injury is that all you could do is rest. And I don't think anybody's like ever accused James Harden of being a LeBron Steve Nash oh, type. Oh, right. This is yeah. the most like, <laughs> hard injury of all time, right? Like, I, yo, I can't even do nothing, man. I got to chill. And it's not like he's going to adjust his diet or anything like that to account for it. He's probably just doing all the same stuff he normally would do with absolutely zero activity. So I think that's where you see in the extra pudge. But, man, he's going to have to come up with some miracles to generate some decent looks for these guys going into game seven. Who Did he play harder the last two games or during those eight Houston games this season? <laughs> when, when, do you think he, when do you think he was sweatier? These last uh, two or the, the eight Houstons? I don't know. Bill, fat meat greasy. I don't know. He, he got to be sweating somewhere. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Like, pro- yeah. probably, I think he played one hard game in Houston where he was about to be out. was like, all right, we'll give y'all one last one. We're going to yeah. dance one more time, and then I'm out. Yeah, they told him, James, we're sending this tape to the other GMs. Can you try in this one? He's like, all right, fine. Um, <laughs> I have an important question. Let's go game seven. Let's think game seven. Um. Bucks lose and Nets lose. Those two scenarios. What is more of a panic button loss? Because the Bucks lose, Coach Bud gets thrown under the bus, but ultimately they bring this back. They just blame him. They right. say whatever. Mm-hmm. The Nets lose. They can, I guess, do the whole, wow, you know, injuries, health. We get a whole training camp thing. But at the same time, like, you know, this is a league of windows. And this was their window to win the title this year. They were the prohibitive favorites. I think they were minus 150 uh, eight, nine days ago. And to have that in your hands and then have it fall apart because you can't keep your best guys on the court. You know, you think like, oh, they'll get it next year. You know, the way the NBA operates sometimes, sometimes there isn't a next year. You know, I was feeling that way with my Celtics. Oh, yeah, we'll get them next year. Right. Now it's like, I don't know when we're going to be back to a conference finals, much less the finals. So, Marcus, we... Who has more pressure, in your opinion? Uh, I'm I'm going with uh, Brook. I'm, I'm sorry, Milwaukee, because Brooklyn has dudes with championships already. Mm-hmm. Like in the end, KD could be like, I'm KD, Kevin Durant. Right. Kyrie's got one of the great moments of all time. Right. Like, and Harden is probably the one who needs a championship the most. But what's he gonna do? But running back, I, I do worry about, like. What's Brooklyn? What's what's uh Milwaukee? What can they do? Like they they might have to do something drastic because if your Giannis is is letting go of Bud enough, I mean Drew Holiday, it ain't I think his deal? I think he's a free agent after the end of this year. Uh, uh, well, he did his extension. No, oh, they did. did. The extension. Yeah, oh, they extended. That's right. He got yeah. a bunch of money. That's right. I forgot yeah. about that. So yeah. they locked in. They, Probably no, a little too they, much they money. They kind of are set, huh? Yeah. Yeah, they're this locked is the, in. I mean, that, that, that might be a more of a reason to panic. Like, you don't, <laughs> you don't have any maneuverability. I, I just feel like Kevin, Kevin, Kyrie, Steve Nash on his first year. Like, I just feel like they have more running back potential. Uh, I don't. If 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 Milwaukee goes down, like they're questioning themselves. Like, yeah, well, Giannis is gonna get destroyed by Waz if they go down. Like, he's gonna oh, have yeah. to hear that. Absolutely. All I know. I know. Giannis long. is so worried about that. Um, wait we're gonna take a break and then i have a couple more things for you on this this episode is brought to you by simply safe summer is all about fun vacations but i know that being away from home can be stressful so many things can happen that's why i like to recommend simply safe award-winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away 
The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60 day money back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S, simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time. That's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. So we talked about this. We did a green room today on uh, right after Rick Carlisle got fired, whether it was legal for Milwaukee to hire Rick Carlisle just for game six and game seven. So if you're gonna make the coaching change anyway, just could you bring in Rick Carlisle? But, <laughs> uh, but if you're Coach Bud, is this one of those things where you're where uh, you you make a different flight on the way home because you just know like if you lose Game Seven, that's it. You might might as well not even be on the team plane going back. Maybe you're driving back to Milwaukee. I don't know. Bill, you know what it reminds me of in uh in 2014, the Warriors Clippers Game Seven. And Mark oh. Jackson wore a black suit. It was like, he's like, it's a, it's a funeral. And we didn't know if he was talking about the Clippers or, or his job. Like, it could have went either way. Oh, he had all his goodness. bases covered. Yeah, he's like, hey, it's a, it's a funeral today. Something, something dying. That That's what, see, he needs to come out with a black suit with a red tie. That's what he needs to do. He, also, what he, also, what he needs, suits. also, what he needs to do is immediately email his resume to David Griffin. Because I, I, I already feel like New Orleans is the ideal landing spot for him. Because I think Coach Bud is like, he's like a great kindergarten teacher, right? Like, he going to teach the kids how to play nice. He going to teach them how to read and write. Mm. He's really good at that. But you can't have him teaching AP calculus. He's good at the building you know? blocks. Is what yeah, you're yeah, he's good at the, the building blocks, blocks. But when yeah. it comes to the big boy stuff, he, he got to get about the way. And I think he would be ideal for what they're trying to do out there in New Orleans. He's just not suited for where Milwaukee is trying to take it. I think he's shown it time and time again, y'all. But I want to raise this question to you guys about the Rick Carlisle situation because I think Rick Carlisle is actually a great fit for Milwaukee and what they need as far as offensive, like, know-how, right, and adjustments, et cetera, et cetera. He was the same one crying about – Finch getting the job in Minnesota, he was like, yo, it's not right for coaches to negotiate deals while somebody's still in the job. Can he take Milwaukee's job after this? It would look a little dicey, right? Well, what do you he care about looks? Today? You better go get your money, Rick. Let's go, Jim Carrey, get your bread. <laughs> well, he's, he's probably looking at it like, oh, man, look around. I have 
Tatum and Jalen in Boston. I have Giannis in Milwaukee. I have Zion in New Orleans. Oh, he's straight. Yeah. It's in and, and uh Dame in Portland. Yeah. Where there's four jobs that have, you know, three of the best under 27 guys in the league, and then Dame, who's the top 10 guy. So, you know, if Luca was out on him, I, I'm sure there's there was certainly enough reports the last couple of days about uh that seemed like a pretty chaotic situation. Milwaukee makes sense too, because I feel like if there are some players who will like, all right, we're going to listen to you, coach. Like, like we yeah. kind of need you yep. to save us. Yep. Like, and you know, clearly, you know, he has his ways, right? And, you know, if, you know, Luca wasn't a fan of it, you've heard over the years where he might. Jason kid was yeah. Jason. Kidd was like, bro, I'm Jason kid. Exactly, I don't think I need right? to be micromanaged on how now, to point guard. He needs some dudes eating out of his hands. Right. Yeah. That's what he needs. Some guys like, yo, some humility. Over to, yeah, yeah. Please get mm-hmm. us over the hump. And I feel like, Especially if they lose this series, like that's Giannis, that's Chris Middleton, yeah. that's these guys. Like, yo, help us, coach. We need you. And, and that that for me, that makes it a perfect fit because those dudes will be hungry. They'll be eating. Out. He ain't had that in a long time either, right? Like, Rick Carlo, <laughs> it's been a while since he had since he had that. He, it's probably refreshing the thought of it. That ring is a nice thing to bring to a new team. Absolutely. And, like, I won. And- I won the title in 2011, guys. I'm here. Especially the way he won it too, right? Like, yeah, that—that's really it. Like, yo, look what I did with I had Jason Terry, yo, yeah. <laughs> an old the, Jason kid. But what's most important to me is that he's not gonna. Giannis would never berate him in the middle of a game, the way Luca was doing him, right? Like Giannis is gonna be like, yo, whatever my coach asked me to do, I'm gonna let him coach and I'm gonna play. You know, and I even think while called- the universe is killing him for listening to his coach, right? Like, <laughs> right. Yo, why you ain't guarding KD? Coach don't want me to. You soft, right? Like, you know, yeah, <laughs> if coach lets me, I'll do it. <laughs> I have an important question: Is Luca diva? Does he get enough oh diva credit? Yes, he's I don't. Diva. I don't of feel course. like he gets enough credit for this because we don't call white guys divas, bro. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Hello, that's reserved for <laughs> wide receivers. Okay, when you berate teammates and your Tom Brady is passion. When you're, you know, Ocho Stinko or you're, uh, Terrell you know, Terrell Owens. Okay, Terrell Owens was a diva. We though. can't call white guys divas. Just like black dudes can't be hustle guys. You know the rules, Bill. Come on now. <laughs> You've been doing this long enough. <laughs> well, I tried to think, like, who, he is a diva, what though. are the other doppel, diva doppelgangers for him where he gets mad at his coach, he yells at teammates, he's temperamental by all counts. I'm just, just for the record, I love Luca. I love Me watching too. him. Of I'm course. pro Luca. I'm team Luca. I think he's just a 20 year old, 22 year old kid yeah, who's yeah. a hothead sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, at the same time, it seems like he has unprecedented power right now because he does, he hasn't signed the Supermax yet. And Russell and I covered this a week and a half ago. Nobody's done this yet. Nobody's said, fuck it. I'm not signing it. I'm, I'm going to, I, all this extra money I can get signing right now, I'm going to play it out. I feel like, I, you know, I'll make enough money off the court and I have these potential other markets and I can call my shot and all that. I'm just going to wait. I'm I'm getting a max no matter what happens. I'm going to play this out. I don't think he would do that, but there's also the threat of it. And what's everything that's gone on in this league the last 10 years, we over and over again, we've been shocked by player movement. And at some point I'm just not shocked anymore. Dallas seems like they're responding to some sort of fear of, going on the wrong foot with him. And we're seeing the same stuff with the, with the Zion and the stuff that came out today. And like the relatives don't there, some of them weren't happy with Stephen, all this stuff. These young <clears> guys <throat> now they're 21, 22 and they're being handed the car keys to actually pick their coach, which, 
you know, this happened in 1981 with Magic Johnson. It's not like this is a new thing. But I think the way organizations are looking at this are different now. I think there's real fear, even when these guys have just gotten to their team, of just placating them, making sure they stay happy. And with this Luca thing, it sounds like he's going to be shaping this. What have you heard about all this, Marcus? Yeah, he's definitely the the bell. He's the guy calling the shots. And and you know, if you're Mark Cuban, you kind of don't have a choice, especially Dallas. I mean, they've been trying to get a superstar forever since Dirk left, right? And all these they were they were supposed to sign all these free agents, and next thing you know, you get one on draft night in a trade, like. You cannot let this guy go. You just can't let it go. The problem is it's better when you kind of, I hate to put it this way, but put these dudes in their place early. Yeah. And he wasn't like, they weren't putting them in his place early. This is, this is going to be a thing. I think the difficulty we have too is like, do we see international players like this? Like they normally come with this aura of appreciation and it's a little bit different. They view the game differently. We don't usually, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I've been playing since I was 14. I played with grown men. Like, right. you know, we, we haven't seen a dude come from overseas with like the swag of a diva, right? Of the guy who's like, I'm mm-hmm. calling the shots. I'm mad. So I do think he's unique in that in this case, but they can't do. You cannot lose Luca. You can't lose right. Luca. You just can't do it. And if that means, like, but they got to get somebody in there who can like put this dude this place. Like, it will work against you in the long run if you don't show this guy. You got to buy in. And the that part is, I do think that's where Dirk is going to be valuable. Because if 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 you're sitting him down with anybody right now, it's Dirk. Here's how you do this. Hey. Cause he'll listen to it. He might not listen to uh, what, what's homie name? Harold Bob, <laughs> Harold oh, Bob? Bob. Yeah, all right. He ain't listen to that guy. He listen to Dirk, but he ain't listen to the other guy. I right. just don't know what you can do. You get a superstar in your franchise, you can't blow it. You just can't blow but, it. But but see, this is <clears throat> this is my thing with all of this and this whole idea of yo. I'm going to offer you $200 million and you're going to take play on a qualifying offer. My thing is, like, as the Mavs, you have to understand these dudes don't exist in a vacuum. They have people around them. They have agents. They have family members. They have girlfriends, wives, all of this stuff. It's hard to go back home and tell your people, yeah, 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 I turned down 200 mil yesterday. Like, nobody wants to hear that shit. You know what I'm saying? And if you're the Mavericks, I think this whole panic mode of like, there's going to be a guy that finally turns down a max extension. People keep talking about his Jordan deal and all of this stuff. That stuff is nowhere close to his max extension. And, you know, you could say, well, KD towards ACL or I mean, KD towards Achilles still got a crazy deal, blah, blah, blah. There's no injury anymore that will stop you from getting a crazy deal. That's all well and good, but it doesn't have to be an injury. God forbid you get into a car accident or something. And this is what the people around you are going to be talking about. That's why I just find it hard to believe. Like, these guys are human beings just like us, Bill. If you came back home from a meeting with a potential business partner and you told your wife, nah, I think, I think I'd rather do something else. I just turned down $250 million. Your wife would be looking at you like, <laughs> but, but what's the first are, question? Are, are, are you sure? But, but like, how you go? But you know how you gonna respond to her, your wife saying that? 
Man, I got another 200 over here, though. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good. Don't so, worry, honey. Yeah, right. I'm, well, I'm going to get 250 over here. It's all but the, pro- the problem, and this is what was brilliant about the CBA, there's a specific one year yep. where the player costs himself like 20, 22 million. With Luca, it's, it's going to be, I think, more than that because he made the All-NBA first team. Right. But where it's like the final year of his whatever that op player option thing is, it's like 17. If he signs the new extension, it's like 35. Right. And it's just 18 million he, he's never seeing again. So he has to decide, can I can play this out. Can I make that 18 million back if I went to the Knicks or if I went to the Lakers or wherever? Like if I was in a different market, could I make more money? But these guys aren't thinking that way. I remember when Davis signed with the Pelicans when he signed his extension. And it was like, hmm, Fran- kind of a kind of a flaccid franchise, right? Like one, like one <laughs> of the most tepid markets in the league. I'm just using some SAT words. Um, <laughs> not, I, I wouldn't say like the number one place I'd want to be if I was trying to be marketed as a top seven star. Team wasn't very good. And yet he signed the deal. And I remember talking to somebody about it who knew him. I'm like, why would he do that? And he's like, why wouldn't he do it? It's in the, whatever the number was. It's $180 right. million. Like, of course, he, you could just force a trade two years from now. Yeah, that's the plan. And that's what right? it is. Yeah, that's that's what you end up doing. You just force the trade and down so the even, And so even if you say the Mavs don't have, like, so next year will be his fourth year. He'll sign an extension that'll be five with, a, with an opt-out after four. So you say, basically, they have three and a half years to get this situated. I feel like if you're a competent organization, that's enough time to get things right in the way that they need to. Like that that maximum extension with the TV contracts being what they are is so enticing. I don't know why we have to pretend that the Mavs need to rip their hair out. Like until this dude actually doesn't sign that extension, I don't want to hear this crap. And well, also until he actually wins a playoff series, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like, it's true. Kind of got well, to playoff series. It sounds like they're going to hire his buddy, Jamal Mosley, who is the guy that he works out with after practice and I think has been a real mentor to him during this first couple of years. But see, that's how you his do top- it. You can hire one homie and be like, all right, this is what you get, bro. That's it. Right. This is what you wanted. You wanted some input. We're hiring your buddy. We'll see how he does. Um, it's going to be... I, I'm less interested in that one because I think it plays out with Luke with Luca staying in Dallas. The diva part is interesting to me, but I I'm not really concerned about where he goes. Zion and how that's played out, where he's going to have his third coach in three years. The mm-hmm. team's not really built for success. I think mm-hmm. him and Ingram. I don't like that combo. Um, I don't really trust David Griffin to make the right moves. They have all these future picks that don't help Zion right now, and. Now, that's somebody who could say, hey, if I went to the Knicks, I could make that money back. Now, he has a, more of an injury history than Luca does, but right. um, I feel like they're on a clock in a different way. Hollinger wrote today about uh, that he thought they were the most likely candidate to switch cities because their lease is up in 24. Um, the league is really, really against that. I think it's way more likely that they expand in the next year, which I've been talking about on this podcast for a while, that they have expansion teams in Seattle and Vegas, which would basically make it impossible for New Orleans to move. But at the same time, um, Zion 
could could be the test case. It's going to happen. It will happen in the next like six to seven years. Somebody will say, fuck it. I'm going to play out my rookie contract and become a free agent. Um, Marcus, could it be Zion? It should be Zion. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> don't, don't know. Like you, you, you're not trying to ride this out in New Orleans, man. Like it's not good for him. It's not good for the league. Like I don't know what we're doing. Put Zion these. There's like 15 other teams that Zion should probably be on, and he he can make the money difference up. He will make the money difference up. Like Dallas is different. Like that is a major metropolitan. We don't want Zion stuck in New Orleans. That's not what we as basketball fans you, want. You mean in New Orleans where the Pelicans get bumped off of the back page of the local paper for LSU gymnastics? Yes. Like, right. You mean that New Orleans? They're like the they're like the ninth most important team in the state. <laughs> like, and like you, you could go two hours away and find a team that's more valuable than the Pelicans. Like, and, you at know, the, but at the same time, Marcus, that same thing that I told you about with with Luca about the external pressures, right, and the people around him, Zion is the same guy who broke a contract with his previous agent so that he could go to CAA for, like, a minuscule amount of extra paper mm. that was involved with that, right? And then, so, so well, you're going to tell me... on the front end, because okay. the, the back end is the... Is okay, the we'll, see. we'll see, we'll see, we'll <laughs> see, we'll see. But again, like, the people around him made that decision. So now you're going to tell me, they're going to be like, hey, man, his 220-something million guaranteed, locked in, no matter what, I don't know what I want to do. And I think people keep using the KD stuff as instructive. You know who should be instructive too? DeMarcus Cousins. You don't mm. remember when he was up for the Supermax extension mm. in Sacramento, told him to go, go F himself. And then he goes to New Orleans and he's still in line to get some paper. And then what? His body blows up on him and he never gets his other big deal. Okay, so this stuff could this stuff could flip on you in an instant. Don't be using KD as an example. There's other examples, counter examples out there, especially as a dude who's as big and burly as Zion is. So this idea that you could just poo poo a big deal, man, and go call Demarcus Cousins about that. I, I love Waz turned into a a, a a team owner saying, "Man, don't look at KG, don't look at Kobe. <laughs> Watch Corleone Young." Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, he, Waz, you're right about the way Zion style. I mean, he he just makes me. I don't even Come like on, watching man. him jog. Come on, man. His everything about him is off balance, and he's just you know that's what makes it so freaky to watch how explosive he is because. He's just very atypical. I I always worry about injuries with him. Plus, somebody who plays up in the air like that. We saw with Blake Griffin, um, the wear and tear that can happen after a few years. So you're probably right. He should take it. I I feel bad for him though because if you go back to a year ago, and you think of the assets they had from all the picks they got from the Davis trade. Plus, they had him. They had Drew Holiday. They had Lonzo, Ingram. And then you think like they trade Holiday and they end up getting all these picks from Milwaukee that I don't think are going to mean anything. And then they have to take Bledsoe's contract. And then they turn George Hill into Steven Adams, give him more money. And then in that athletic piece today, it was like, oh, the Pelicans are interested in trading Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe, getting about their cap. It's like, these were part <laughs> of all your big moves a year ago to try to, you know, contend right away with Stan Van Gundy and all this stuff. And you know, when you're hiring a coach a year, that's not great. 
I, I just think there's a lot of red flags. I feel bad for him. I want to see him on a good team. I thought he was amazing last year. You know, it was wasted. And, you know, the thing is, look, everybody around the league agrees that Griff is somebody who's pretty smart and knows what he's doing. But the fact that he's behaving this aggressively on the coaching front makes me raise my eyebrow because it's like, damn, you already fired a coach last year. You're firing another one. Like, that's two bullets now. And $20 million to the Bensons, they not Steve Ballmer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, like, okay. So so I think there is a little bit of smoke to the Zion thing because of the way Griff is behaving. Um, it would seem like, you know, you just drafted this guy. Uh, you should be in quote-unquote rebuild mode or, or else why the hell would you have traded Drew Holiday? Um, I, I, it just, I, and I get they didn't want to pay him. But then you pay Steven Adams and like, Drew Holiday would seem like a guy that makes way more sense than Steven Adams does. I, I'm just confused by what they do. Who knows what the intel is and the pressure that they're getting from the Zion camp, but everything they do just seems confusing to me. Yeah, and you talk about all, all the picks they got. OKC's picks, are. we broke this down a few months ago in this pod. The OKC picks are like five times better than New Orleans picks. The New Orleans picks are basically hinging on LeBron's career being done within the next year or so, and then Davis not being able to stay healthy and them getting lucky maybe with one of those. OKC is locked into, they have Houston stuff. They have all these Clipper stuff. What better pick to have than the Clippers? Who the F knows with them, you know, for year to year. Um, Marcus, I got to ask you, your favorite coaching job out of New Orleans, Dallas, Boston, Portland, Orlando, Washington, and let's throw Milwaukee in there just for fun. But who? So the question I have is who? Who am I? Am I uh, OG coach looking for one Good last question. ride? Or Good I'm question. Good question. All right, Waz, who is he? What? What is he? Rick Carlisle or is he like? How about John Calipari? John Calipari wants to be an NBA coach. Where does he go? Don Staley. I'm Don. I'm Don Staley. You be Don Staley. Do Don. I'm going with somebody. Well, so I love Boston situation, uh, but I, I think I'm. I think I'm going to Portland. I think I'm going to Portland. I'm going with a legitimate superstar who I know can produce. I'm going with a GM who is desperate <laughs> to make a move and will probably finally make some tough decisions they got to make. Uh, but Portland's going to get you into top four, which means you'll save your job, right? Like, you'll, you'll mm-hmm. be straight. And if I'm a young coach trying to get my foot, like, nothing's better than inheriting a good team on your first job. If I'm an OG, I don't want Portland because I'm trying to win a title and it's just not going to happen, right? Like it's not set up for that structure. So maybe that's where a team like Boston is appealing to me, where it's like, okay, what moves you making? You might be one or two pieces from making this happen. But if I'm a young coach, give me, give me a superstar. Who's going to keep me top four, top five in the league. and, And I'll be able to keep my job. I'm not trying to stand Van Gundy this thing. You know what I'm saying? It'd be one and done. Hold yeah, on, that, but, but if I'm Rick Carlisle, I want to go be subordinate to Brad Stevens? Yeah, that's a great Excuse point. Excuse me? Oh, I a won a point. championship, sir. It's a great point. I'm, I'm, I, was, I was a better coach than you when you was coaching. I'm right. gonna I'm gonna go take orders from Brad Stevens. I think somebody young and up and coming has to go into that Boston situation. And because again, it's just the politics of it, right? It's like I'm gonna go to an organization that empowered and uplifted this guy after he had a bad year. So that shows you his standing amongst the decision makers. I, I can never cut this guy's head off. I can never go I, like I'm taking orders from Brad Stevens from the jump. 
right? So I think to an older coach, I don't see how that becomes, you know, that appealing to them. So you get a young up and coming guy or gal. Nah, you need an old, old coach. You need, you don't need you, you need. But you want to get Hubie out of retirement? Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. You need, some, <laughs> you need somebody like, hey, I need me a young GM because I don't really know all this other stuff, the synergy and all that. You got all that, right? But but let me give me out here with this team. Give me give me Jalen and Jason. I can I can rock some stuff. Bill, you who would a, you like to see in homie. Boston? I think the Boston job's a good job because. As we're seeing in these playoffs, I can't win a title unless I have somebody who can create a shot in the last five minutes yep. of a game, right? Yep. Which will lead, we're, after the break, we're going to talk about Ben Simmons and oh, just how far his values drop. Tatum can do that. Tatum can go toe to toe against whoever, and especially as he gets better and better. So I'm just looking at that. If I'm coached, I'm like, I have those two guys. They're playoff proven already. I have a score for the end of games. I have an organization that's willing to spend money. I have a fan base that loves basketball and that seems like a great job. And you know, they, from a salary cap standpoint, Kemba's only two more years. Other than that, they have, they're, they're pretty malleable. I would say, I would say Giannis and the Bucks, that's the, I can win a title next year job. Um, Portland's the, I could get there and four months in, Dame might decide he wants to leave. Mm-hmm. I that would be the part that worries me about Dame that. Ain't how going do, nowhere. He ain't how going do nowhere. I? How do I know? I, I do I? Because he, like go, he can't. Dame cannot go and go sign with another player and join the LeBron after all that. He can't. You okay. can't. You can't. Because he's been against it. Uh, you got. Oh, you got okay. rap songs talking about. I can't okay. join another team. Okay. Which, which means he'll do it next year. <laughs> 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 um, I uh, what's what's the other job? Oh, the New Orleans job. That's the upside job. Where if you're if you're like if you just look at Zion's stats and you watch YouTube clips of him for ten minutes last year, you're like holy shit, is this guy is this could this guy average like thirty two points a game next year? What is this? There's nobody in the league like this. We could unleash him. Maybe I'll take Stephen Adams out of the paint so he'll have more room and. You know that would be probably the most fun toy to play with. What's out what's of all these guys? Dallas. What's 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 the um, what's the Orlando Magic job? Pick pick up a drug habit. Orlando, <laughs> age? Orlando Magic is the Orlando Magic is the, I just graduated from college and I got to take the first job to build my resume. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Orlando's like, hey, honey, I'm an NBA coach. You are? <laughs> what team? Well, that doesn't matter. Uh, we were talking in green room today about. It's not going to happen because I think Dallas is going to hire Mosley. But hmm. um, Mike D'Antoni with Luca would be really, really interesting. Where it, basically that's what Luca was doing anyway. They they were doing some variation of the Harden Houston offense. But I just feel like Luca would have the biggest stats with him. But that's not going to happen. I think they're going to hire Mosley. I think he'd do right. something different anyway. Yeah. We um we're going to take a break, and it's time to have the Ben Simmons conversation right after this. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's, more specifically the McCrispy. Oh yeah, the Southern style fried chicken sandwich that's crispy, juicy, and tender perfection. I only found about, out about the McCrispy relatively recently. Let me tell you something. This is one of my weaknesses. I cannot resist these sandwiches. I like the extra pickles. You can, you can just say, you know what? Throw extra pickles on there and guess what? They'll do it because nothing's better than extra pickles on a McCrispy. There are many, 
many, many different chicken sandwiches, but there's only one McCrispy. Visit your nearest McDonald's today or order now on the very, very well done McDonald's app. This episode is brought to you by Peloton. Spring, the best time of the year to dial your fitness routine up a notch. You know it's going to happen. It's going to get warm. You're going to start wearing shorts. You're going to start wearing bathing suits. Just, you're not going to be able to cover up behind those big coats anymore. Also, it's nice outside. Get outside, do stuff. Or if you don't have time to get outside, I got Peloton for you. Whether you have five or 60 minutes, Peloton's workouts were made to challenge you. Classes like boot camps, full body strength, boxing, marathon training are created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in and you won't feel bad about not being outside. Peloton's expert coaches, challenging classes, and nonstop vibes will keep you coming back for more. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. All right, so after the playoffs, we see a lot of reactionary trades. We see some stock up, stock down stuff happening. Ben Simmons's value just in this Hawks series has pushed him into a whole other level. We were talking on Green Room. We were just, KOC was, I was like, I know you've been on the trade machine, KOC. And he's like, oh yeah. And we started batting around <laughs> trades. And it got to the point where it was like, Ben Simmons for Zach Levine and Patrick Williams. Chicago wouldn't do Why that. It's too much. Why the would I do that? Yeah, Chicago wouldn't do that. So it's like, all right, would they do Zach Levine for Ben Simmons? And then we're like, no. hmm, I don't know. And I'm like, wow, Ben Simmons, who was the focal point of a James Harden trade five months ago. And now we're wondering if Chicago would trade Zach Levine straight up for him. And it comes down to like, he's a 44 minute guy, you know? And sometimes this happens with basketball where you have your 48 minute guys, your 44 minute guys. The Shaq was a 44 minute guy. You won a title with him because he always had Kobe or Wade. He always had somebody for that last four minutes. Simmons might not even be a 44 minute guy. He might be like a 36 minute guy. In the fourth quarter, he's just, he's not only out of the loop, he doesn't seem to want any part of it. And I don't know how that can be your second best guy on a title team. What do you see, Wes? Second best guy on a team? Like, okay, I've been off of Ben Simmons basically since like year two or three when it was so obvious that he just was not going to change or improve what he did, one. And two, your best player... He takes away from, from him optimizing all of his skill set. Meaning, you're always hanging out at the paint, and that's where I'm best at. And the idea that Joel is stretching his game out to accommodate a dude who is way worse than him mm. instead of the other way around, that's crazy. It would be like if LeBron was accommodating Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma made himself into a garbage pail type, type of hustle type of guy because those are the guys that fit well against um next to LeBron. You spot up, you get the garbage points, you D up good wings. That's the ideal fit next to LeBron while he's orchestrating offense. This idea that Joel is developing jump shots further and further and further away from the basket to accommodate his quote-unquote running mate, it's ridiculous. And again, offensively, what has he added? Has he added a little post game, a floater game, a mid-range game? It's crazy, yeah. Nothing crazy. has been added since his second year in the league. And so if you're telling me Zach Levine, excuse me, Zach Levine beats people one-on-one. -on -one. Zach right. Levine makes free throws. Zach Levine is an excellent shooter. And he's added to his game. <laughs> and he's added to his game. Uh, yes, he's a sieve on defense. We know that. But I'm sorry, Zach Levine has... 
easily identifiable playoff traits. What is Ben Simmons doing for me? And I'll ask you guys this because I, I, I've been killing Ben Simmons for like two weeks now. I'll ask you guys this. Think of somebody like Mikael Bridges who nobody would ever consider him like in the, the ballpark of being some second best player on a title team. The way you just mentioned with Simmons. What team in their right minds would swap those two under any circumstances? For what? Especially at the Simmons price. Like Bridges' extension, he probably going to get to 100 mil. He'll probably get to 25 a year. Yeah. Simmons is in the 30s. To do what? To do what for you? I, I, I'm, just, I'm sorry. I've been off of this kid. And, I, and I'm going to remain off of him until he shows me an aptitude to do things that matter offensively in these big spots. You can't, you can't, the guy gives the ball up, Bill, and he's standing two feet from the basket the whole possession. He's a stand-around guy. You're basically doubling up anybody who wants to go near the basket. Well, I, and then I, they say when he does the screen and rolls <laughs> and Atlanta's just dropping 12 feet back. They're not even near him. Marcus, what what do you think? Where do you stand on the Ben Simmons thing? I'm 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 the more people are off him, the more I get on him. Mostly oh, because God. I see I see the potential in a in the jug <laughs> here, right? Like uh -huh. I am thrift shopping for talent, baby. What is he, 20, 22, 23? No, he's probably about 24 now. I think he's four, I think he's 24 now, yeah. Yeah, so he's like four years in the league. I I think he just needs to change the scenery. The 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 reason I feel good about Ben Simmons because I think what bothers him is mental. I actually think he might be adding on to his game. And he just and never he's, using yeah, it. Yeah, he's never using it, right? I could see this dude balling in like LA in the offseason, right? Got all this stuff, and everybody's like, yo, why aren't you doing this? Right? Because something's upstairs. He needs to change the scenery. I, I feel like he clearly needs a better roster around him, right? Like he needs he needs situation he, he needs way more space. Uh, I I still have hope for Ben Simmons. It's not in Philly, though. It's not in Philly at all. He's got to get off the court. You got to take him off the court at the end of the games, and that that excludes him from being a top three player on the team on a championship team. It literally takes you out. You you, you got to take him off the court. But put him with some right dudes. Like if you put him with Steph and Clay, and the the problem is Draymond. <laughs> now you got two guys like that, but. <laughs> Unless Draymond's in the trade. Yeah, unless Draymond's in the trade. You, you, you what like, about, can I talk so, a couple so more? Hope, so this superstar, alleged superstar, big-time talent, there's one specific instance in the whole NBA Portland. that he could be effective Portland, in. if you don't trade CJ. But you got Dame, CJ, and he's that third three. I mean, look, you got to keep it. I just watched Andrew Wiggins. For a year, right? Like, <laughs> I, I feel like anything's possible. I feel like there's hope for players. Like, you know what I'm saying? I feel like there's a rehab that could be done that could kind of matter. You just got to forget about the money. You got to, like, put all that out the window and figure out how you can use them. I, I still feel like Ben Simmons is usable. I just, he's not that, he's not that dude. He, he's not the dude that we thought he was. And the faster everybody realizes that, the better off everybody will be. I wish that he had had two years on like how Devin Booker had a couple of those years on Phoenix where he just had to worry about scoring 27 a game and not having to carry a team do too much. Like the team was going nowhere. I wish Simmons had had a couple of years where he was just the do it all guy for a crappy team. There's something, sometimes, sometimes 
with rookies, that's actually the worst thing. And you want them in situations, you know, like Kevin McHale on the Celtics, where you're coming off the bench for three years and working your way in. And James Worthy was like that in the Lakers. Um, with Simmons, I think it would have been cool if he was just on the Pistons and they went 23 and 59 and he did everything and he was covering everybody on one end and the whole offense ran through him on the other end. The Embiid thing was, has always been weird. I've just never liked the two of them together as a combo for reasons like we saw in that Atlanta game where it's like, all right, dudes, you're still up, you know, you're up 22. All right, now you're still up 15 and you just, the stagnation and it was like watching this jigsaw puzzle where somebody's trying to jam a jigsaw puzzle piece that doesn't work. It just got so ugly. And Seth, I'm sorry, Seth Curry shouldn't be that important. They traded Seth, Jason Richardson straight up for <laughs> Seth Curry, and he's their entire <laughs> offense when Embiid, when Embiid is double teamed. Um, it's pretty and, rough. And the, the thing that Marcus brings up about, oh, the Warriors – all right, Draymond is a limited offensive player. He has those things that he's really good at, right? I think Simmons, you know, catching a ball on a four and three, he'd be better at finishing at the cup, say. But he's not a better playmaker. He's not a better screen setter. He's not like, he's. I don't think he's that much of a better offensive player than Draymond is oh, on, off, on offense. <laughs> and then defensively, Draymond at times can be the best defensive center in the NBA. So that's the counterweight that you're dealing with when oh, I'm the not context, yeah. <laughs> when the context <laughs> makes sense. I'm not what, what, okay, so you're limited on offense, and then on defense, it's like Trey Young putting forty on your head top anyway. I, I, I don't know. I'm out on this dude, man. I, I just so he should I, be out the league. You just want nah, to kick him out of the nah, NBA? Like, you got to find a place for him. <laughs> he's, he's a role. He's a you role know. Here's guy. the here's he's the problem. Here's the problem. Missive is like this shooting thing is a tale. Like it's here. Right, the free throw, the 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 refusal to shoot threes—it's a tell that something's going on in his head. You can't win a championship with players like that. Like, you can't win a championship while you literally have a mental block and one of your best players. You just can't do it. The difficulty is he shouldn't be on this team, right? He should be in Houston or you know Toronto. He shouldn't be on this team. And now Maury. How do you trade Ben Simmons when you could have got Harden for him? And like now you know what you could have got, what you turned down, and now the value is way lower. So does he does he sell low on Ben Simmons? He, he might stick with him just because the value think, ain't even there. But, that, this, but that's the know. killer though, is <laughs> I think they thought they had that trade. I'm not I'm not defending Daryl, but I really do think they thought they were headed toward a deal. And I think Brooklyn did the panic and just threw in a couple more picks and trumped them. But they yeah. were willing to give up Simmons and a couple other pieces yeah, but the price like Maxi Thibel. was Harden, right? Like, it's like, all right, I was going to get Harden for Simmons. And now True, it's like, but that, that's done. Now yeah. you're looking at C.J. McCollum and Robert Covington. <laughs> that was KOC's idea. Or you're looking at... Don't list it. Could you get Brandon Ingram for him? See, if you could get C.J. McCollum and Robert Covington for Ben Simmons, you need to do that deal yesterday like th th like there's a context in which those guys fit perfectly around what Joel Embiid brings to the table even with CJ as a super limited offensive I mean defensive player you got one of the best defenders top five defenders in the league helping you on the back end of all of that like yep. that the context actually makes perfect sense you know a guy that has one-on-one -on -one skills you know he's going to be be there in the clutch 
incredible shooter, all of these things. I mean, like, there's a context that, yo, that Philly team's makes all the freaking sense. You can see it. Of course, Robin Covington is one of those three theoretical 3 and D guys. Well, he also <laughs> like, gets, he gets passed around every year. Yeah. He just hops on a different team. There's it's something. Tough. His, his deal is so tradable. He always gets moved. But like, you know. That... But were you guys, were you guys surprised that they blew that lead yesterday? Because I was not. I, would, no, I was I, surprised, Bill. No, I swear, I swear, my son came in. He wanted to watch Braves Red Sox because it was like 10 <laughs> 10. And it was like 20 22 near the end of the third quarter. I was like, we can't turn this game yet. I'm not, I, I, because first of all, Atlanta is one of those teams that can just put up points fast. They can. And I don't trust Philly. I just, especially like what I've seen from Embiid in these fourth quarters where, you know, it seems like the ideal length for him is 30 minutes, 32 minutes, something like that. It just seems like he dies in these fourth quarters. I thought it was so telling when he had those huge free throws when they were down three with like 25 seconds left. They cut to him before he's shooting the free throws. His hands are on his knees. And it's like, this guy's fucking exhausted. I thought you they know, learned from the previous game. I'm sorry. I thought Doc was like, yeah, no, we're not going to do this sports feed and beat at the end of the game again. And they, and they did, did it again. It. They did it again. They did it. They turned into like Bel Air Academy and he was Will Smith and nobody else <laughs> could the ball. It was ridiculous. Well, with that said, Colin, when Collins banked in the three, it set off all kinds of alarms, comeback <laughs> alarms. Because it's like, all right, when that shot's going in, <laughs> you're you're in trouble. Because that cut it, I think, to eight. Um, the other thing I thought, I thought Philly, uh, Atlanta really figured out something with Philly playing Trey and Lou Williams at the same time. When... Uh, you know, which they had, they had kind of been is, hesitant is that a, to do. Is that a figure out, though? That's, that seems kind no, of No, but it, it was just like, we're going to torch Curry. Curry's yeah. going to have to guard one right. of these two dudes, and we're, we're, we're going to hunt him the same way Coach Bud was afraid to hunt James Harden these past two games. They were hunting Curry, and I actually, I just feel like Atlanta has figured stuff out as the series has gone along, whereas Philly has not. Even playing the rookie yesterday, who I thought was really good, yeah, he gave um, them some good energy. They have an eight. They know who their eight guys are, and they don't have Hunter, who I really liked. But um, I would be really concerned. And, and we should talk about Trey, too, be, because I He's that amazing. dude is so fucking tough. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're a little guy like that and you're the best guy on the team and you're, and you're that eager and excited to win on the road, that now you start dipping into the Isaiah Thomas. Oh, he's psycho. Steve yeah. Nash. No, he's a big like, like absolutely. You, when your little guy is the toughest guy on your team, there's a lot of good NBA history stuff with that. And I, I'm just stunned by how how much he's improved, how he was solving shit during the series. And uh I, I can't say enough about him. I'm so fucking impressed by that guy. And it's and it's it's been said, I'm not the first person to make this point, but like nobody like Trey Young hasn't been had having his ass kissed his whole life about why he's going to be great. It's been the opposite. It's been the opposite of Ben Simmons, quite frankly, why he's not going to get it done, right? Like why this doesn't make sense that he would excel to this degree. Even when he was killing as a rookie, second year guy, people were like, oh man, is this going to work in the playoffs? They're just going to hunt this guy. I was one him. of those people. <laughs> <laughs> a good stats, bad team guy. I was convinced. I was dead wrong. I'll so own it. I was, he, I was he's wrong. He's a guy who had to actually believe in himself the whole time. It's not like people were kissing his ass and talking about patting him on the head and saying, you're going to be so great, kid. No, it's been the opposite. So the mental toughness is already there. That's what I love about Trey Young. And to get back to Joel, like, okay, he's clearly the focal point of what they do on defense. If they're going to get stops, it's because he's meeting dribblers out and contesting and he's dominating in the paint. And then 
he's exerting himself offensively as the only freaking constant generator of good looks offensively when it comes to one-on-one. Like, I mean, he could probably do one half of the game and have somebody support him the other half. But to ask him to do both of those things for the duration of his minutes, the size that he is, and he's never been that great condition, I, you know, it's a lot to ask this dude. It's, a, it's, a, it's too much to ask him. But it ain't too much to ask him to not be able to Debo Clint Capella in the fourth quarter. I'm not letting him off the hook because he's got to create. Like, you can't be talking all this head and getting technical fouls and trying to be the tough guy there in the fourth quarter. You can't take Clint Capella. And I, I, I'm i sorry, I just watched Draymond, like, shut up, Clint Capella, you know, in, in the Western Conference Finals. You, know, you can't let Clint Capella best you in the end. Like, you got to be able to dominate that matchup, even if it means you need to chill in the first half and stop trying to... <laughs> I'm trying to show off, right? And flex with everybody. Like, relax in the first half. Like, flip it instead of going all out early and trying to, you know what I'm saying, pace yourself and know you got to have a fourth quarter. But but I do want to say about Trey, I think one of the things that has helped Trey, like you said, he he definitely has this leathery skin because he's been, he's been hearing it all his life. And I also think the Steph Curry comparisons help him. People don't understand. This dude is a he is like a point guard. Like, this dude can pass. Mm-hmm. He has counters, right? Mm-hmm. I know people think he's just a shooter in his range. No. Like, that's not – this dude, like, when his shot is not falling, and he's not, like, Steph Curry efficient either, right? He's not the dude who's shooting 45% from three. But when it's not falling, he's got another option. He would just dime his team up, right? He just – like, y'all about to drive and just whip passes. Like, he's got a back door, like. It, 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 he's got a bag, like, in the real sense that's still developing. Like, this dude is, like, he's building something here. Like, yeah. this reminds me, you know, Travis Schlank and is, is the GM, like, the old Warriors guy. They remind me of the 2013 Warriors, where it's like, mm. what they're learning now? I mean, watch, watch Trey Young in two, three years when he's got this mm. experience. That dude went to the garden and punked the Knicks. And now he's <laughs> in Philly in front of Iverson punking the Sixers, like, this dude is about that life, and he also has a whole bag that I think people thought he was some kind of shooter, and that was it, like a shooter with an afro. And it's like, nah, like this dude will dice you up, and he will live in the paint on you. And it's crazy. Like, what is he, 120? Like, he's half of James Harden right now. And, <laughs> and he's bully, well, you know what's crazy? bully in Philly. And he's not even shooting that well in the no. series. Like, it, it feels like he has no level to go. That's a great point about the 13 Warriors. I would actually say this. It's almost like the 13 and 14 Warriors combined. Like, both of yeah, those yeah, seasons. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, the problem solving that he's been able to do in this series. Like, you talked about what's what really makes him special. And something I just did not think he had in him was if he doesn't have a shot. Or if they're taking stuff away from him. Game four, he figured out how to get other people involved anyway and get people shots. He had 18 assists. This game five, you could see him figure out what to do against Simmons and Thibault. Like mm-hmm. the key play of the game was that three pointer, right? When he got, when he drew Thibault in the air and got the three free throws, he set that up for eight seconds. He, he had that dude on yo yo. He knew exactly what he was going to do, set it up, set it up, set it up. Then he went for it and Thibault went flying into him. And then he got the three. That shit, when you talk about, like, the Curry comparisons, I agree with you. I think they're idiotic. He's Steve, to me, he's Steve Nash. He's Steve Nash 2.0 with uh, basically less of a conscience, but the same kind of the way he controls no, the psycho. game. he's a psycho. 
He's a yeah. The dude will <laughs> not be. He, he will have a bad shooting, right? He, he's struggling with a shot, and then he'll go in, get a hit a couple floaters. What does every other shooter do once they hit a couple? You take your butt back out there. It's like, all right, I'm good now. Like, <laughs> no, I'm gonna give you 78 floaters. Like, yeah, right. like yep. that dude is a maniac. Like, he's like, you yep. about stop it? And he was just like, I'm about to hit this every single time until you stop it. Every other shooter is like, okay, I'm good now. I'm working my way back out. I'm out here back to the three. He's like, nah, you gonna get this work. And he's like 120 pounds in the lane, like floater, 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 floater. Like until you stop it, this is what I'm doing. Like this dude is a maniac. It's incredible. Waz, I have an incredibly important question for you that needs a break. And then I'm gonna ask you. This episode is brought to you by Netflix. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Seven-time world champion, modern-day legend, my favorite quarterback ever, Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, finally gets roasted. It's going to be hosted by Kevin Hart, and Tom Brady will get his cleats held to the fire by famous friends, frenemies, the roast master himself, Jeff Ross. It's going to be an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the roast of Tom Brady live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Unlike this podcast, some things in life should be boring, like banking, because boring is pragmatic and responsible, level-headed, wise, all the things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be exciting. Exciting is for three-point buzzer beaters, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money, because when your money is doing what you need it to, you can do all the unboring things you want to do with it. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc., PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Here's my important question based off our Trey Young talk. I'm starting to wonder in 2021 and beyond, are you better off having a six foot one guy than a seven foot one guy? If you could have somebody <sighs> who is a franchise seven foot one guy, or a franchise six foot one guy, what would you pick? So the so the two the two sides would basically be: Would you rather have Trey Young, or would you rather have even a healthier Joel Embiid? Let's let's say Joel Embiid twenty percent healthier for the next ten years. The way basketball is played in two thousand twenty one, what would you rather have? I'd probably take Joel because he's more singular um, than a jitterbug guy who gets buckets and gets his guys involved. I think the the fact that Joel makes my defense good and legitimate just by showing up and is a plus on offense is, to me, that's just more singular because it's still, defensively, it's still a big man's league, right? And so I just think having that dude that you know you know people can't just take it to the basket, et cetera, et cetera, on you. I, I'm still biased towards but fact, that. But factor the injury stuff in. Mm. So you might well, get, bigs get you might get five often. to seven, Joel. You might get 12 to 14, but it's more likely you get five to seven. If I have Trey Young, I get 15 years of Trey Young. 
See, I thought you were going to go the Aiton route because they were in the same draft, to which I'm like, mm. give me fucking Dre Young. Oh, and Aiton right, is, yeah. is showing himself to be a beast right now. Like, I, don't get it twisted. But give me Trey Young all day, every day, right? Um, But Joel, I think is, he's a singular type of guy. Like, what the, what, like, the, what, like, the fact that he can score on all three levels on offense and be – Anchoring the paint, like, I, I got to take Joel specifically. But if it's just random, really dope big man and somebody who does what Trey Young's able to do, it's Trey Young. It's definitely Trey. It's what always going to be the wing. Yeah, it's got to be an exceptional big man. Okay. It's got to be an exceptional. I'm like, I'm not taking Nurkic. You know what I'm saying? No. Like, like, you know, because in the end, especially the way the game is played, I mean, what basketball games are going to come down to crunch time and you just got to have somebody who can make a play. Now, the reason I'm taking Joel is because really Joel's problem is he just needs a point guard, a point guard who can shoot. Like mm. if you if you put a different point guard on this team, like Atlanta's not close, right? This series is over They're They're kind of uniquely misfit in that sense. It wouldn't be it would it wouldn't be a factor with Trey. You need like if you ain't got bogey. Right. If you don't, if you ain't got John Collins, you don't got dudes who are making shots. We've seen these guys, right? Like we seen Steph Curry when it was a uh, uh, Chris Singleton and <laughs> Mikey Moore. Like it, it's incredible to watch, but it ain't getting you anywhere. So right. I, I, I think Waz is right. Like the history of basketball still is gonna favor size, but you better be good at seven one. I'm not. It's not. I'm not taking and durable. Noel. Yeah, and durable. I'm not taking Nerlens Noel. Like there's there's. 90% of seven for one guys, I'm not taking. But also, I'm not taking 90% of six one guys, too, because Trey Young is yeah. different, right? Like, so right. <laughs> that dude Was, is, he's not the same. If I told you that four weeks from now, Atlanta is going to be the NBA champion, what's your reaction to that? We going to Atlanta. Let's go. We out here. Why is we out NBA here? finals in Atlanta would be, oh, my God. That, oh, not like Atlanta ever closed, but, whoa. My reaction would be that, Man, Philly blew this, you know, because... Uh, or man, Milwaukee blew this. Yeah, or man, I guess. Or Brooklyn. Milwaukee, or yeah. man, the yeah. Clippers blew this. <laughs> because, but, but Brooklyn is, like, legitimately injured. Like, yeah. Kyrie's ankle is cooked. James Harden's hamstring is cooked. They're legitimately hobbled. Um, Philly is, like, you, you don't got Danny Green... You ended up with the second best record in the NBA or something like that this year, or third, whatever it was, top five in point differential, and the Atlanta Hawks. You couldn't get past them, and they would add home court it. in the they would add home court in the finals against basically anybody but Utah. And Utah's one win, one loss away from being out. So that's my reaction. That wow, Philly, you blew this. I'm dusting off my Clark Atlanta gear and we out. We hit we hit Atlanta. <laughs> like it's going down. Like, yeah, uh, man, what? But Marcus, you were there for the 2015 Warriors that seemed improbable. And then all of a sudden they were winning the title. And you're like, oh, this is actually gonna happen. They this is now our title team. Now they were way more successful in the regular season, but there was still a sense of like, ah, they can't hey, actually win the title. Keep in mind, Bill, I grew up in Oakland and I've seen like all of that trash over all those years. I didn't think they were going to win a title until they got up 15 in game six. You know, the, those Warriors <laughs> had this thing. Like once they got the 15, it was over. It's like they won like yeah. 57 games straight where if they got up 15 at any point, that was ball game. And they went up 15 in game six. And I'm like, yo, they're about to win this. 
It's <laughs> right. Like this is crazy, and you know, people are blowing up my phone because everybody was at Oracle and it was like a party, and like Two Shirt was playing. Like, no, no, we didn't think this was a good. No, what? The Warriors, the Winston Garland Warriors, the Alton Liston Warriors. Like, heck, no, we never thought that was gonna happen. No, not until they got to fifteen. After it was like. Yo, the Warriors are really about to win a championship. Like, this is crazy. Uh, so that's what Atlanta would be like. <laughs> I, well, Atlanta will go crazy. I'll tell you this. If they just beating Philadelphia, I think would be the greatest moment in Atlanta Hawks history. Now, they won a title when they were in St. Louis with Bob Pettit. I don't know if we count that or not. But No, um, we, don't count no that. we don't count that. But when you're talking <laughs> about the greatest moments of the history of the Atlanta Hawks, you go to like the Dominique Bird uh, duel game seven and second round in the East that yeah. Atlanta lost. And that was always the go-to for the Hawks or like, you know, they're basically kind of the, the also ran in the East with all these other great East teams, Philly, Detroit, Boston. They were kind of, they could give you a good series, but ultimately you didn't take them seriously. Was game, in the nineties was game five, the greatest moment now. I mean, that's what I'm saying. That it might, might be, be the greatest moment right now. Coming back from 22 and, and Lou Williams, Atlanta's own. In front of going. Iverson. Yeah, the all that stuff. The disrespect to Iverson was out of pocket like Philly. Oh, man. <laughs> so they, you know, they made the Eastern Finals before, but they had no chance. You know, that was with the right. going against LeBron. I really think it it could be in the running for greatest Hawks moments. Not a franchise that's had a lot of, a lot no. of great stuff happen. The, the, the comeback... And then them going home, the tendency is to think the series is over. And yet, they, they you know, Embiid, if Embiid really wants to, he could do the KD in game five routine on them. If he can, from an endurance point, play four quarters, they still have no answer for him. He could put up 45 and 20 on them, you know, and single-handedly cut their hearts out. What do you think happens, Was? I... <sighs> I just, I just can't believe the team that I watched in the first half of Game Five is going to lose this series. Um, like, they're just the better team. You just have to stay mentally focused. And you know, I, I got a few tweets about this because I did a lot of killing of Ben Simmons and the rest of them um, on group chat yesterday. Tobias Harris. I mean, seriously, bro. Like, it, you also get paid thirty-five million dollars. You're on a maximum contract. Please score against Lou Will. Score against Trey right. Young when he's switched out on you. Make Do a three something. foot jumper. How about shoot? I, Forget score. Yeah. Take a just shot. Shoot. Yeah. Like I, I just, I just can't believe that these guys in you know the biggest moment of basically all of their careers <laughs> up to this date when it comes to Tobias, Ben, and Joel Embiid are not going to respond with some level of intensity and execution. Marcus, do you think they'll fire Brett Brown if they lose this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. I'm sorry. It's not the coaching word. It's Doc Rivers, though. Sorry about that. Right, Doc. Poor I, Doc. I, I, got, I got to see it, man. I don't know how you... you I'm not just going to give you the ability to come back. I'm not going to presume you could come back from that. Like, nah, you're done. Like, they got to show me something. I but, think they're done, too. I think I, I, I think Trey is... The, what's the, the lead? Would, they, what's the lead they're comfortable, Bill? What's the lead where Philly's like, all right, we got this. 25. 40? It's gotta be <laughs> they were up 26 and lost. It's gotta be 40 for them. They, whatever lead it is, 
Bogdanovich will hit a three, John Collins will hit a corner three, and Trey will hit a three, and then all of the panic will set in, and they're like, here we go again. I, I don't, why would I believe they can overcome that at this point? I'd be so worried at Trey in this game because he still, he had a great game one. He's not had an awesome shooting game. He was good in game five, but wasn't great. He hasn't had like the transcendent Trey Young game. It feels like he's due and it feels like he's figured them out. The crowd's going to be out of control. That'll probably be the happiest, most electric Hawks crowd I would say they've had this century. Yeah. And from what we've seen of Philly, from a deer in the headlights standpoint, a couple of their dudes get the deer in the headlights. You saw it with Ben Simmons, so Tobias, some of their bench dudes. Doc Rivers gets that kind of frozen, oh my God, it's happening again face on the sidelines. I wonder yeah. if that helps Philly, though. I uh, wonder if they do. Well, nah, they choked in Atlanta. Dang, like, see? I was about to be like, maybe if they're on the road, it don't bother them as much, but it did. Like, I, I have a couple couple small things, and then we'll go. Um, if Clay Thompson doesn't get hurt, could Golden State have won the title this year? This weird ass season we just had. Yes, I think they could have. I don't. I think I don't, they could have. Yeah. They could have. I don't know if yeah. they would have, but they definitely could. There's have. nobody in the playoffs right now, as presence presently constituted, that I would say would be some overwhelming favorite against the team that I watched against the Toronto Raptors in 2019. Yeah, that team I'd take over this field right now, 100. percent Yeah, no, no <laughs> um, question. The uh, the Clips. It feels like once Mitchell comes out and says, I can't get off the ground anymore. <laughs> I mean, that was I'm like, ready, that was like, I'm ready you off. That was like a Thai commercial. That flag was so white, right? That was like a, a long <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I actually geez. was, I was, I really liked Mitchell. I was actually disappointed in that. That failed a bunch of different competitive things that you just don't do in a series. Don't let the other team know, A, that you're hurt, and B, that you're mentally kind of yeah. checked out with what you can do and not do. You know, yeah, like that, I, I don't want to hear any of that. He Just clearly hasn't yourself. learned from the greats. You know you're supposed to do that after the series yes. like LeBron. Come on. Right. After yes. the, you got to wear the Come cast there after with a game for the finals. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how you that's need to do it. it. <laughs> but when he said that, I was like, this is done. And then the, the clips just have this way of, you know, George, I think without Kawhi, you saw the guy that I voted third MVP two years ago. Like we know he he can do that, but then you they mean have his this, MVP season? Well, and then that's they have what he this, called his MVP his, season. Yeah, his, his <laughs> MVP was third, and then they have this crazy Marcus Morris Reggie Jackson thing where every game one of those two guys plays great, and it's never both. It's always just one, and it's like they flip a coin and decide. And in game five, it was Reggie Jackson who was out of control. Game six, maybe it'll be Marcus, but I just think they figured out the Jazz and they're more athletic than them and even without Kawhi, I think they can win at home. What do you guys think? I think the problem with the Clippers is that they are the 2021 playoff mascot team. Like, you don't know what the hell is going to happen from game to game, possession to possession with these guys because you got to think about down 30 to 11 in yeah. game three, down 0-2 to Dallas. It was like, this is over. They somehow managed to win that damn series. Kawhi goes out, who's probably the second best player this postseason after KD. And yeah. you're like, how are they going to beat the Jazz ever again? And they beat them. I don't, I don't know what to expect from this team. I just have to think Utah's just 
better. Like with with the t- to me, like with the even if Mitchell and Conley are hobbled, if they play, they have better players, man. They they should be able to beat this team. It's interesting. I think the Clippers have better players. All right, Marcus, you're the tiebreaker. Yeah, uh, my concern is Paul George looked gassed at the end of that game, and he's this is not a role he's used to. I like him in this role. I like him as kind of the point forward, not mm. like, yo, don't go get me 30 and style on him, like play a smart floor game. But he looked gassed, and I have, I'm have i a bank on the fact that Dwayne Wade put his arm around Donovan Mitchell and was like, listen, we don't talk like this after games, and also here's how you get through this. Like, I, I'm with Waz. The Jazz are better. They should be better. They should be better. I think they win game six, and then it becomes how much does Paul George have left? And wait, I don't know. Dwayne Wade says, Dwayne Wade says, here's how we get through this. And what does he do? Give gives him legal medication? Here's how you get 26 fouls in a series. I have a hard time thinking, and look, this dude's been playing amazing. I just didn't have it in the cards that. Reggie Jackson beat the Jazz. Like <laughs> I kinda I kinda need to see it first. Like I need to see it happen for I believe it will actually happen. But Reggie Jackson is beating the Jazz, the number one team in the in the West. It's crazy. Ty Lu, shout out to him, man. He's a good coach. I, I think he, it's a really weird team to coach. Mm-hmm. There's probably 13 guys in that team who think they should be playing. But like when he stuck with Terrence Mann in uh game five, and the Jazz were like, cool. We're just going to leave him alone in the corner. You, you, you keep shooting, Terrence, man. You could have those. And then Terrence, man, in the best play of the game, was like, fuck this. I'm just going to pass up this open three, go right at Gobert. And that's why he's out there. Because I think Ty Lue does have a good sense of, like, who's who actually is not afraid of this moment right here. You know, which is the, only, the, the kind of thing you learn when you've been in the finals. And you're looking at your bench. And you're like, all right, that guy's scared. That guy's scared. Oh, that guy doesn't seem scared. And he seems like he's just gravitated in this series to the guys who are not scared. And Terrence Mann, you know, they they have this way, this Clippers team of it's just a different guy in a different quarter. Did like, oh, Rudy Gobert get dumped on by Terrence Mann in, in, a, in a crunch time of a championship? It, it, he it he was a absolutely dunk. did. It was a half dunk. Yeah. <laughs> what a, a foul. Semi-dunk. It's a semi-dunk. Yeah. The best thing for the Jazz is the Clippers history. Clippers have yeah. never made a round three. Clippers have had a storied, <laughs> storied collapses. Insane. They've lost all kinds of terrible home games that mattered. And uh, and it's all set up. And then, you know, to lose Kawhi when they did, taps in a bunch of Clippers stuff too. Uh, before we go, LeBron blaming the... Uh, the season for all the injuries. Where did you guys stand on that? Because he's I thought still, he's it was... still mad. AD got hurt, and so they're not going to win the championship this year. That's the, the, like it sounds like he's just lashing out, and you know you're out of the playoffs. Nobody's thinking about you. We're talking about you. Still got a movie to promote. So like he's just lashing out. That it like LeBron. We know why everybody came back when they came back. It was to save the money. You everybody. Also, how about this? <laughs> You and Chris Paul run the league. I was just going to say that. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you that. talking about? There's two guys that. who run the league, and it's not Adam Silver. It's you <laughs> and Chris Paul. I'm sorry. In honor, of voted for this? in honor of June seats, we're not going to act like they were shackled and forced to play this season. <laughs> 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 like, 
They had a hand and said, yo, we're going to do this. Hey, I was waiting for the critical race theory part of this <laughs> podcast to come. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know I'm not allowed to talk to you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, dude. I hope you don't get fined or nothing. <laughs> the, uh, the LeBron piece of it where if they had won the title this year, then he would have gone course. into... This is the hardest title I ever won. Ever. Oh, ever. Yeah, he, he would have gone the other way. Like, but my thing with the injuries, first of all, I feel like we have injuries every year. We do. Um, second, half of these injuries were guys just landing on somebody's foot, which has nothing to do with the length of the yeah, season. Yeah, well, I was like, what does Kyrie injury have to do with it? Like, yeah. was his ankle third, weak because of the season? Third, Kawhi played 46 games. It's not like he, it's not like he was Jokic, you know, cranking out all 72 games of the season. Like he was load managing the shit out of the whole season. So I don't know. I just feel like if you look at 2019 as the Warriors fell apart one by one and all the other shit that happened that year, we have injuries every playoffs. It was weird. I I felt like part of the reason he did it was because KD had this incredible game and it was this big KD jerk fest. <laughs> and LeBron's like, oh, I got to wait in. I got to wait in on this. I need some headlines. I'll buy the argument if they're champion a shorter season permanently. Then I'll then I'm like okay now you care about it. Come back, start talking about let's do 72 games regularly now. In yeah, the same exactly. Time. Then I'll exactly. then I'll buy it. But it's it's a little convenient right now. By the way, they that's what they should do. Yes, <laughs> if, I mean if you really 100%. care about injuries, it, should be right? 62 yeah, games. No yeah, like, I mean, honestly, honestly, it should be 60. Just round and, robin, two games each team. That's it. Keep it going. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, I think we hit everything. Marcus, anything anything you want to plug? Uh yeah, my phone my phone charger is dying. I should probably plug okay. that up. Huh? Marcus got plug his phone charger. <laughs> <laughs> why is he doing group plug. chat? You no, doing any more? I got a book. I forgot. Tell us, Jeez, tell us about the book. <laughs> I, I set you up. It's unbelievable. Uh, uh, no, you know I wrote a book, uh, Dynasties, and we got the ten greatest teams of all time. I'll, I'll, you'll appreciate this, Bill. I absolutely love digging into the old Celtics. Yo, that, oh yeah. First off. The disrespect of the Celtics got to stop, right? Like, I know it's a different era, but them dudes was hoopers. But, <laughs> like, and the climate in they where they were hooping? Right, You know, right. like, are you kidding me? The yeah. climate in which they were hooping? Like, but just digging into that, like, I had, I, I gained such a great appreciation for them old Celtics, man. Like, like we don't talk about, like, Sam enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we don't we don't talk about these dudes enough. We don't. Next year is the 75th anniversary of the NBA. They need to make it a point. We you need to talk about the history of the NBA. People do not understand this league does not happen without George Mikan. It literally does not happen. Like they were playing in cages <laughs> and nobody was watching. And they were right. playing this dude around the league, like, like, yo, come see the seven-footer, right? Come see this gangly dude like play hoop. And nobody cared except for George Mikan. Like we, it, it was amazing to go down that journey. So yeah, Dynasties. and Kuzi was another one like that where yep. he was the first guy who's like, "Hey, we should try to entertain the fans while we're here." And they're like, "What? What it, do you mean entertain the fans? You know, like do behind the back passes." And he's like, "Okay, right, let's try it." But yeah, those guys, the fifties, and then Russell comes in, makes the game vertical. Yeah, the um, crazy part, Russell changed the game by deciding to jump on defense. Like, that's <laughs> like yo, if I just jump, I'll, I'll block that shot. Like, no, 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 you got to stay on the ground, Russ. Fundamentals. He's like, but if I jump, <laughs> like, yo, I'm going to jump. All right, game changed. 
forever. Like it's it's crazy. Like the stuff is like one thing I did learn. It's all stacked on top of each other, right? We're we're comparing these eras, but really they're all so foundational to one another. You know what I'm one saying? Another. Like like you can't talk about the fast pace of the game and not fast break and not talk about back then, right? Like that's it. It was it was. I have fun live reliving that. But those Celtics, man, like that. What they played under and that just the or playing professional basketball in that time, yo, like I, I think we disrespected way too much. Like I would I I barely functioned this summer during a pandemic like while we were talking about race. I could barely function. Like these dudes was living like playing hoop in that. Like, yo, it was crazy. I, I got so much respect for that team, that era after doing this book. It was crazy. I'm glad you brought that up because I really forgot to plug my book. And Waz, why don't we plug your YouTube show? Yes, sir. Uh, Full Court Fits on the Ringers YouTube. We talk about NBA fashion. We talk about sneaker culture. We do little interviews with people. We're just having fun with it. Um, I would implore you guys to check that out every single Friday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's every Friday. And, of course, every Thursday morning, we drop group chat, which is on the Ringers uh, NBA show. Hey, and you're hey. popping our green room as well. And I'm popping up on Green Room after, you know, random games, give and takes, after <laughs> insane red wedding type NBA, you know, Wednesdays mm. we're popping up. So, yeah, we're doing all of it. You got to do like a warning on the fashion show, man. Like on the like you got to tell people be ready to spend money because nah, you no, end no, up no. wanting to buy it. Like, I didn't know so much can't. stuff where it's like, oh, what is this packet? My wife is like, what is this? And I was like, well, I was listening to Oz. <laughs> well, like, well, when you when you were three-time best-selling author, I'm just saying, you, you man, can you do that kind of people. stuff. Like, you go, you're like, this is an expensive pod. Like, you go, you go start shopping and wanting stuff. It's crazy. And like, the one thing you'd be like, yo, I could afford that. I'm buying that. <laughs> you know, speaking of, speaking of NBA fashion, I was I was trying to think what would make Stern the maddest over everything that's happened the last five years. Kyle Kuzma, definitely. No, I was thinking it was. <laughs> it, I was thinking the dress code stuff, the way James Harden was dressed for a couple games. I just think Stern's like Jesus. I thought, come on, guys. I thought we saw he's wearing a t-shirt. Come on, come on. The players are supposed to look nice. What are we oh, doing? Man. But I, I can't imagine how many things would have driven him. Like, can you the imagine coaches? Stern? You think the coaches wouldn't have done it? The coaches in these like oh, the coaches would it? Yeah, why him? Why him looking at Mike Budenholzer? He's looking like Budenholzer like, look like he's he got look, a flask. You look in his like back a gym pocket. teacher. Like, yeah. I know. <laughs> like he, he's gotta hate that, right? Like Budenholzer is like it looks like he's about to like hit a swig and put it back. Like all right, run the offense. Well, well, then I was thinking, like, when LeBron said the stuff about the injuries, Stern absolutely would have had a sarcastic comeback, 100%. Yeah. Uh, last time I checked, I remember uh, Mr. James voted for this season. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. He would have he snapped back at him for sure. <laughs> the Adam Silver is just like, whatever, we're going to pass our new rules, do what we do. I don't do the game in the media with them. Stern lived for that, though. He lived he loved for the it. media barbs. He loved it. Um, all right, guys. It was great to see you. Thanks for staying up late. Uh, great basketball tomorrow night. Really excited for it. And uh, we'll be reacting on the Ringer NBA show as well. You can read Marcus on The Athletic. You can read Waz on The Ringer. And uh, we will see you here on this podcast on Sunday night. Thanks. <laughs>